You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It is another Tuesday. It is another week. It is another edition of the Out of Sight Podcast. I am your host, Neil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. Last week, I came in from uh, Corkmoss Island. I'm happy to report that my flight back was very pleasant. It was very nice. Just wanted to stop by and uh, hang out with the fam for Memorial Day, but I'm back here on the island. Uh, not talking about Corkmoss or any of the other gentlemen that are up for contracts or exit interviews. Talking about Joel Embiid. And specifically, this redonkulous narrative that just continues to get pushed on this man and we're going to get into it. And I got Dave early on the line, as I usually do. He's become a staple of the Out of Sight podcast. D- Dave, what? Do you want to just be my permanent guest from now on? Like, <laughs> I, I joked to, uh, I think it was Paul, that, that you might have had my bird rights here. I, I think I do. I don't, I don't know if I have the bird rights specifically. But Dave, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I, I would totally offer you the four-year max. No problem. <laughs> doesn't matter i don't care how old you get i don't care if your productivity declines or anything like that no i want you here for the majority of your career the the problem is i can get four years from miami (laughs) unless you're going five i just said i'm giving you the five-year max all right all right i thought i heard four (laughs) okay let's just dive right in now we're talking about uh your piece from last week because uh Troel Embiid is back and it's the whole like he's he's taking shots at the Miami Heat saying that like this series is over at first and then there's this whole like maybe Miami needs another star thing like let's just focus on that second tweet first because honestly as soon as the tweet came out I was just like oh crap here we go I know exactly what the narrative is going to be well, what what was your gut? What did what did you think the narrative? My, my gut feeling was that like everybody would go overreactionary and just be like, "Oh, J- Joel doesn't want to be here. Joel doesn't want to. He wants to be with Jimmy Butler. He misses Jimmy Butler. He's got FOMO for Jimmy Butler." I'm just like, "Okay, I, do I do I want to hear that? Do I want to listen to that for a month? Like, I don't know if I want to do that." Yeah, I didn't take it that literally maybe some fans did um fans and media i should say and we'll get to the media in a second i i thought that it's one of those things that he was pretty clearly joking but if you weren't worried about sounding just like the overreactive fans and media you could probably acknowledge that there might have been some sort of truthful element to him missing Butler or, you know, just reminiscing of like, oh my goodness, we would be in the final four every single year 
we might already have a title. We might be going for our second if our team had kept Jimmy and, and that hurts. And so if one of the ways he's talking about it or dealing with it is social media jokes, I kind of, I kind of see that possibility. Here's how I took it. I saw the tweet and it just said, Miami needs another star. And I'm just like, okay. So maybe Joel is saying that the heat needs, like they need like Bradley Beal or they need Dame Lillard or somebody that is not Kyle Lowry, who was, borderline unplayable uh, starting in the later half of that Sixers uh, playoff series. Like, that's what I thought. I didn't think it was something like, oh, Joel wants to go to Miami. I'm like, that's where my head immediately went because I'm just like, he's just ribbing ribbing the Miami Heat. He's just ribbing the team. And it's Jimmy Butler, and he has a close relationship with Jimmy Butler, and he's he's just poking fun. That's all it was. It wasn't anything other than that. And anybody that thought otherwise just needs, they needs to have, just have a collective sit your butt down a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think he was saying, I want to go to Miami. No. I, I also don't think he was saying, literally, they could use a guy like Bradley Beal. I think that he wouldn't say that, you know, like, oh, the Nets need another star because he doesn't want them to get another star. So I he, think it was more <laughs> the last part of what you said. He was just joking around. He wouldn't do anything that either A, makes another team better, or B, uh, violate NBA tampering rules. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would tamper, but I don't, <laughs> I don't think it was as simple as him saying, like, man, if the, if the Heat had Bradley Beal, because that, that's too obvious, and it's not funny, and it's not interesting just doesn't seem like that's like more like a magic Johnson thing to say. Joel is certainly not that. I think that it is playful, just a joke, just sort of teasing Butler. Like, yo, you should have stayed here in Philly. We should have found a way to keep you or right. you need a guy like me. Cause you guys are, you know, something like that. Just teasing. Um, but knowing full well that his own fan base was on sensitivity, high alert, and also knowing how people would take it. It was more than a little bit mischievous. Now, here's, here's the other thing about this whole Troll Embiid, which honestly, Embiid is very proud of that moniker, and I'm, I'm all for it. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's the offseason. Like, what, what else is he supposed to do? Like, I get it. You want him to, like, train and stuff like that. But, like, one of the thoughts that came across in my mentions was, like, why isn't Embiid doing this for, like, the team? Why isn't he like, hey, we need some more stars in here? And I'm like, have you not been listening the last six months? Have you not read any reports or anything like that? Joel has been doing that. Yeah, I mean, if he if you wanted him to do that, I don't think you'd want him to do that on social media. You'd want no. him to do that behind the scenes and, and start texting Drew Hanlon and be like, yo, I love working out with Brad. I love working out with Zach Levine. What can we do to get him here? Do they want to be my roommate? I'll open my house. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of thing you should be hoping for. And uh, this is not new to Joel Embiid. It's part of his personality. It's part of his style. It's part of the reason why I love having him here. Like, if he was on another team and he was doing this, I was just like, okay, this this loud mouth, like, he just needs to stop. But, like, he, he's a sixer. And, like, I support that mainly because he's doing that, and I find it effing hilarious. It's, it's another one of those cases where it's it's misunderstood is what he is. He's one of those misunderstood Philly athletes that it's just, it's just the next generation of it. Yeah. I wrote in a piece that it's like, 
like a Monet painting where if you stand really close to it, you might not see it, but if you back up, you could see all of these, all this depth and layers. And I think he likes to make those tweets. I was looking back November, 2014. You know how I look to find old tweets. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what, that's what you do in the off season. November, 2014, he tweeted, trust the process 10 straight. And it was double meaning because the Sixers had lost their 10th straight game to open the year and everyone was freaking out. But Kansas, his alma mater, had just won 10 straight. So clearly a little double meaning. If you're interested in the history of the trust the process slogan, that would have been one of the first places you'd seen it because Sam Hinkie wasn't saying it publicly. Uh, you, you first started to hear the players say it. I think eventually Tony Roten said, we hear it all the time. And then the fans who did actually trust the tank process started appropriating it as a rallying cry. But Joel and D right there in November, 2014, put it out there. Clearly a little double meaning right then a young player honing his chops. Yeah. On the tro- Troel lifestyle. Now, did it just, was it just more twisting in the back just because when the first time uh, Joel and Jimmy had a little like, social media flirtation we'll just call it um the whole um i know a place where villains are welcome and joel liking it first of all can we just get off the shtick of like trying to find hidden meaning in people's social media pages can we just stop that like i'm i'm done with that i'm gonna go the other way on this and i'm gonna say absolutely not deal we have to unpack no every possible subconscious meaning we need to go Freud on this because it is the off season. And what else would we do? I, so- I mean, I, I'll, I'll grant you that, but even I don't have, I don't have a whole lot of spare time to be like thrown around and just like funneling and uh, sorting through tweets, trying to find the, the hidden meaning of life in these tweets. I don't have time for that. Well, I, well then you've called the right guy because I had time for this. And let me give you an opinion. Here we go. Breaking news, hot take coming in. <laughs> if you go back and you think about his public flirtation with Jimmy a couple of years ago, it was a tough time for him. He was visibly moping on the floor. This, the team was, you know, like a ragamuffin fit. They had Josh Richardson, who commanded no gravity. They had wow, ragamuffin. Jesus. <laughs> way, to di- way to date yourself. <laughs> It, all right, it was a 2002... A positive K reference, Jesus. A 2002 NBA draft suit fit. How about that? Remember that Remember that photo of like Carmelo Anthony in his or 2003, the rookie year? No, that works. That works. I'll, I'll take that. I'll accept that. That's fine. So his... Flirt- I was fine with the positive K reference. I was just I was just shocked. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that word in like, in like a decade. <laughs> Trying to keep you on your toes here in the offseason. Okay. I think that he was not saying, like, I'm really going to go to Miami. Um, but with the team, with, you know, head, headed towards a possible Supermax eventually, um, and the team looking sort of rudderless at the time. Like, remember, they still had Horford and Richardson around him. They still had Ben Simmons, Tobias right. Harris. None of that was a good fit for him. And he was mourning the fact they let what he absolutely knew was an all NBA talent go. They let JJ Reddick go. The two players he loved playing with the most, the most compatible offensive teammates he's ever had were now gone. He was 
crushed by that, and for good reason. Um, they didn't listen to him. They should have listened to their franchise player. And I think that was more than a little playful. I mean, for sure, he was joking around with Butler. But I think it was also a pretty clear message to the franchise, like, fix this direction. And sure enough, they went and they hired Daryl Moore that, that offseason. So if you were to ascribe a little bit of intentionality, like maybe there's a satirical element to Joel here that says, like, of course I'm joking, but seriously, let's get this right. There's a lot of there's a lot of big important things here. They got to get James Harden signed. They need to do something, maybe with uh, Tobias Harris, to try to break that contract into two better fitting pieces, or land a, another All Star like Beal or Levine. So it's possible he's saying like, "Come on now, <laughs> I, I'm in my prime. Like I just got the crap beat out of me. I got two finger surgeries as we record this. I have a broken face. I have a I, broken face." <laughs> I don't know how long I have to play in this league at this level. So, you know, let's go all in here. Someone please. So, so is, is this the off season where more than any other off season, I feel like I say that every off season that like the, the Sixers maybe not must, but at least should consult Joel on some of these moves. Like has he, has he earned that kind of power by now? Joel? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wanted Butler and Redick to stay in 2019. If you didn't listen to them, him then, yeah, I, I, I feel like, I, I feel like he was giving you all the signs of what was making him the most effective, and you didn't really listen, and you see what happened with that. And I think now is the off season where it's just like, okay, we just need to have Joel in the strategy sessions like at all times. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how things get hurt by allowing him to do that. I'm, I'm sure he can't be, he can't be any worse than uh, LeBron James's ability to put a team together. I would like to have him feel empowered, but I also worry a little bit that they could have a tendency to overcorrect. For example, when teams lose a series, they often say things that are sort of cliche, like we lack toughness, mental toughness. We right. need, we need some dogs. What if Joel said, look, I wanted Butler. It really pains me to see him dominate like this. Please listen to me. I want some tough guys. And what if they grant him that and they feel they owe him that and they do it at the opportunity cost of something that Daryl Morey, for example, feels might be better. In that instance, if it led to like, I don't know who, because I don't have names, but if one, it led one to- One of the Mars brothers. If it led to Markeith Morris at the expense of- Ben Macklemore, maybe that's not a good thing. You know, some example like that, where if you didn't listen to him, if you didn't answer the question, who's the toughest available guy, maybe you'd get a guy who was twice as good, who didn't feel a, a glaring need or a glaring sort of paradigm archetype, you know? I, I, I get that. And like, like you said, I, I feel like there should be some kind of like, hey, okay, Joel, we know you want this, you need this, but... We also feel like we need this. Like, can we meet in the middle somewhere? Exactly. Yeah. That's there's fair. that. There, there's that. There's that collaboration word that everybody's so afraid of in this town. Everywhere else, it's a good word. Oh, good. Here, it's like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Only in Philly is collaboration seen as a negative. It because because for a brief period of time they were one of the worst run franchises in the league, and they said that word every other day. Unbelievable. All right, we're going to take a quick timeout. We're going to satisfy some of the admin a little bit, but it's the Out of Sight Podcast and the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. It's Dave Early. We're recording about Troel Embiid. 
And uh, yeah, coming up after the break, yeah, um, let's let's roast a particular Philadelphia sports media personality. So back in a second. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Out of Sight Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Neil Royster. Chill ride, chill vibes as always. I got Dave on the podcast today. We're talking Joel Embiid and uh, Troel Embiid. But real, real quick. Joel had the successful uh, facial surgery amongst all the other surgeries that he had to have this offseason. Um, I don't believe he, I don't believe he did. I think he had successful thumb and index. Okay, so he had the he had the fingers done, but not the face. Yes. Okay. Cool. Um, but even even that, like, just the the road for recovery starts now. I guess. I guess. I guess that's a positive to get him back and healthy and back in training shape. And I I don't know, like. At this point, during an off season, are we just still working on his conditioning? I guess. Uh no, I wouldn't worry about his conditioning. I thought he was in good shape. I'm just trying to think of what else he needs to work on. Really, if you were to lay out things for him to work on, I think um, his mindset would be important. I want to know what his goals are for the upcoming season. If I hear he wants to win an MVP. I would be a little nervous because he might, he, he might try to do too much. He might try to do too much to, to win an MVP. You need to go basically all in for the regular season. And I think that would be a mistake. Um, I, I would think that would be a mistake too, especially after this season. And I've said this a bunch of times before, and I truly believe it. Um, this year was his best shot at the MVP and he still didn't get it. So I think at this point he needs to be gunning for championships. Yeah, and to gun for a championship, his usage on offense probably needs to come down to a degree. I think someone posted this stat like there's a certain usage threshold that no team has ever had a star cross and won the title. Right. So you need to empower the other guys. I mean, over the years you and I have have spoken about like we want Jimmy Butler to be more aggressive. We want Tobias Harris to be more aggressive. We want James Harden to be more aggressive. We wanted Ben Simmons to be more effing aggressive. Yeah, and at some point, one of the common denominators there, as these players change names and these coaches change names, is playing alongside Joel Embiid. Part of the reason that we talked about staggering Ben Simmons and eventually Tyrese Maxey and eventually James Harden with Joel is because you want to get those guys at least eight to 10 minutes per game where they can kind of have free reign of a a spread floor, maybe some five outlooks for Harden. Like he got used to, if you wanted to make James feel as comfortable as possible transitioning from Houston and Brooklyn, you would have done more than these Sixers did. And part of that reason was because, um, the salary caps and contracts and all like that. Well, I was going to say Joel and and gunning for the MVP and taking a lot of post-ups, which might have been great for the regular season, but if you were a little worried that they're going to need someone else to consistently play like an all-star in these playoffs to win the title, then that was something that they should have been planning for around March and getting 
getting a guy like James or maybe a guy like Maxi ramped up so they're ready for that. Uh, I'm not sure that that's been a strong suit of Doc is empowering the secondary star on this team. Um, and is it a total coincidence that both Ben Simmons and James Harden kind of completely limped to the finish line? I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. there's some connection there where it's like, I needed I'm, you to do more. I needed to do more to get you there. I'm starting to think about like how it was with Doc's run in the Clippers. And I, I remember Kawhi was in and out of the lineup a lot, but when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were both in the lineup, it didn't really like it. It seemed to me that when he was in the lineup, Kawhi was very empowered to do stuff. But then Paul George kind of turned into like a spot up shooter. Am I right about that? Yeah, Paul George complained that under Doc, he was deployed like JJ Redick. He was like, it was all pin downs. He wanted me to run curls. I, I'm more of that. I, I like to play some point. I like to get some post ups. Um, so. It's a valid criticism that's that's been consistent under Rivers before the Sixers and still is now two years through. Where all the more reason why Doc shouldn't be the coach. But that's uh, yeah, that's another podcast. That's fair, and I think uh, he'd have to change his ways, but it also would have to be Joel as well. True. If you wanted to, if you wanted to point the finger up the food chain even further, Daryl Morey has been a guy who's been criticized for fully empowering his alpha, his superstar, his heliocentric. And so it, did that come at the cost of a guy like Chris Paul in Houston? Did it come at the cost of a guy like Dwight Howard prior to that? Probably not Probably in Dwight, not. Dwight's case, but, but certainly with Chris Paul's case, they might've done some things differently to keep him there. Um, if you read all of the tea leaves, uh, Tim McMahon has pointed out that he didn't even think Daryl Murray wanted to move on from Chris Paul, but still empowering that secondary guy and getting to maximize that secondary guy. And in Philly, I don't know if that's going to be Harden or Maxi. Uh, we'll see. Maybe it's some of both. It's a combination thereof. But ultimately, a lot of this has to come from Joel. You want him to say, I'm ready to load manage. I'm, I'm ready for 65 games. And I'm ready to do to spot up a little bit more like I used to do for Ben Simmons. I, I'm willing to go some five out and get my co-star to feel as comfortable as possible. Um, you know, maybe five possessions per half in all of the minutes where I sit. See, and that's solid reporting. That's solid reporting and analysis. And it's something that we don't get a lot of times with uh, more quote-unquote reputable sports media. And I, I don't know if you know this about me, Dave, but I have I have quite a few uh, arch nemeses in the uh, Philadelphia sports landscape. Um, kind, of, kind of one-way nemeses, I guess I'll say, because they would never come at me because they don't want the smoke. But... <laughs> One of my one of my more notable nemesis uh, is Marcus Hayes, the Philadelphia Inquirer. And as soon as Troel and B came came in, there was Marcus writing some inflammatory, dumb nonsense for the Inquirer about the tweet that Joel sent out, calling him uh, uh, childish and unprofessional. I'm like, Marcus, chill out, okay? This is not your first rodeo with Joel. This is what he does, okay? I am sick and tired of these pre-my-generation journalists still saying the same things, the same dumb things that they said in the Iverson days and maybe the Barkley days too. I don't know because I wasn't really reading the newspaper when I was like seven or eight years old. 
is this something that you're kind of getting frustrated with when it comes to Philly sports media? I know you live in Brooklyn, so it's a whole different mindset, but I, I just don't know how much more I can take it. Oh, I'm actually in Manhattan now, but, but or Manhattan, I'm sorry. But no, I'm not. Uh, I'm not currently frustrated with it. Really? I, was, I was more so, but now I feel like some of it has gotten to a point where it's transparent that if you had a bold take, a very, very passionate and bold take publicly several years ago, you want to find a way to not admit defeat on that take. And so if you, if you said as loud as you possibly could, the process isn't smart to do. And, you know, you shouldn't take all these gambles on these injured players. Look, they're never out there. And now one of them is an MVP. You'd either have to reassess or you'd have to pivot to just calling the guy a loser or a clown or a baby. Um, so <laughs> I think I think that's what some of what you're saying is, like, rather than just admit I was totally wrong. It was smart to do that. They should have seen it through. I mean, a, a team like my, a lot of my friends here are Knicks fans. If you told them they could have like the first pick, the third pick, seven other firsts and, yeah. and 20 seconds in, you know, in a period of like two and a half seasons accumulated, they would build nine statues for Leon Rose. <laughs> And, and that's basically what Sam Hinkie did. Uh, it's, it's tough that we still say like the process didn't work and all these things because in the post-process era, we saw a lot of that squandered. And then people who were wrong initially have taken these victory laps that don't really make sense. I'm just, I'm just sick of the whole, I get it. A lot of these players that grew up in the social media era and they're on social media and they express themselves in certain ways on social media. That's fine. But what I feel like some of these journalists have to do in some of their opinions is take that into account and just be like, oh, this is this is that generation. They're going to they're going to toy like that. They're going to joke like that. They're going to kid like that when it comes to uh, Joel Embiid's tweet about Jimmy Butler over the weekend. I'm like the, the whole article from Marcus, it just screamed of old guy yelling at cloud who doesn't quite understand the nuances of communication in an NBA social media landscape. That's how it read to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically making an ad hominem fallacy attack saying he's biased. He's, uh, he's anchored to his process wasn't a smart thing, and that's partly why we're seeing some of these takes. If we were to objectively evaluate the statement itself, you know, is this a mature thing to do? Maybe we'd come up with a different answer. I, I don't know. Like, I haven't minded Troel stuff when, he, have I. when he's playful. I have minded it when I wondered if it was making Daryl Morey's life more difficult with stuff with Ben Simmons. Uh, that you know. was, yeah. And I, I feel like there's, I feel like there is a difference and yes. words and phrases actually can read a certain way in those instances. It's hard to communicate sarcasm with words, but at the same time, like there's always, there's always, there can be, I'm not going to say always, there can be a different meaning to what somebody says. There can be, not always, but sometimes there is. And I feel like it's responsible for, you know, journalists of all mediums to at least acknowledge, hey, it could be nothing, but I think it means this. And I guess maybe I'm giving Marcus the benefit of the doubt for his opinion 
And yes, I realize that opinions are like a-holes. Everybody's got one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're, you're wrong about this one, Marcus. I'm sorry. You just are. Yeah, I think it, if I were to, t- if you were to say, find some criticism for Joel Embiid's Troel stuff, I would say anything where you're putting down a teammate, anything that could be construed as putting down a teammate after a tough game and a tough loss, right. you know, say, saying the turning point. I didn't like how he then, when the Sixers, you know, obviously trying to trade Ben, he was saying, I'm not here to babysit. I, th- I, th- I was of the mindset where if you say that stuff privately, if you pick a fight with Ben behind closed doors, that's all fine, but just wait for the deal to be done. Yeah. Then, then do this stuff. Just do everything you can to make it a little bit easier for your GM to get you help. Um, what really pissed me off about it the most is like the whole idea of like, oh, this is not how a leader acts. I'm like, wait a second. You're going to question Joel, Joel's leadership and commitment to the Sixers after this season. You're going to do that after this season. Uh, yeah, you lost me. A thousand percent you lost me. No, not any other season. Maybe. OK, fine. After this season, definitely not. That that's that is without question now, I think. Yeah, the fact that there's reasonable criticism for Joel or you could point to things where he could improve on the court um, to just basically say, like, this is evidence that he's a clown is pretty preposterous. And so I think it's it's transparently self-serving old arguments enough that I don't give it much weight. I'm not upset by it. Right. And, you know, News came through the uh, pipeline today and, you know, Mike Missanelli is going to be out at 97.5, uh, either fired or retired, one or the other. I don't really care because I'm doing the Riley, the Riley Freeman celebratory booty dance as a result. I'm just like, OK, that's that, that's one down. But like, I, I just want I just don't want Joel to feel like he can't be himself and. Troel Embiid is part of his moniker. Like it's another person that it's part of his personality. And I just don't want that to be a reason why people jump on his back and try to run him out of town. I just don't want that to happen. I mean, I think he deals with a disproportional amount of hate. And I think a lot of that is process related. I mean, he adopted the nickname. Yeah. And I, I would love to see a list of the number of people who were voting for all NBA and all MVP and see how many of those people publicly said the process wasn't a good idea because, you know, it would be difficult for me to imagine that had no bearing. You know, if I argued, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. This is dumb. This is terrible for basketball. And suddenly I had the choice between Joel, Giannis and Jokic. Would you really, would you really trust me to be perfectly objective? Uh, uh, probably not. <laughs> yeah, I think I would pick Jokic if I had said all that. I think I would believe it's wow. Uh, real quick, last thing before I get out of here. Uh, NBA Finals, Golden State, Boston. Who you got? I'm going to take Golden State. There we go. Now, now is this now is this support for Golden State or more hatred towards Boston? Um, <laughs> I, I want to say that I. Th- think that these two home courts have been the best in the playoffs. Yes. And and I think I mean it's deliriously loud in these stadiums. It's clear clear from the television. And even at times when these teams are down big, 
it felt like their fans were sort of willing them back into games um, at times. They, so, they, they're standing on their feet chanting defense in the first quarter to a degree that's, you know, not normal. It's like when Trey Young visits Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I think home court's going to be huge. Uh, I've seen some research that the louder a stadium is, the more difficult it is for officials to not reward the home team. Like that in- increases a little bit of a home court bias. Yeah. So I think Golden State wins game one. I think the Celtics picked up a few bumps and bruises in that last series. Just and a I few. Think Golden State steals game one, and then that's that's the uh, head start that they need to win the whole thing. So right now on FanDuel, if you want to bet, uh, my my best guess, uh, this is going six, and that's plus 190 right now. The Warriors are favored minus 155 to win the title. <laughs> Um, I, I think that's. I believe where, we're partnering with DraftKings. You got to check DraftKings. I'm sorry, I don't have the DraftKings app. I'll get that for the next podcast. Ga- game one, the Warriors are minus one sixty favorites. Uh, I might have to throw a little cheddar on that. A, a little, a little, <laughs> a little sharp cheddar. Um, and the Celtics are Celtics are plus one thirty to win the series. So Golden State definitely favored, but not not huge favorites. One thirty. That's a nice number. That's that's. That's, that might be worth a little pepper jack, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, if you if you had to ask me to bet, I would bet on the Celtics for those odds because I do think it'll be close. Yeah. Dave, always a pleasure having you on. Uh, my, my, my unofficial, uh, the, the unofficial co-partner of this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm working out the details of, of the Max. I, 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 need your, I need your agent's number. He, he seems to have changed phones, so like, I need that new number for you. I'm going to put you in touch with a man named Jass. And, <laughs> and, and, and just, just so you know, I did like the idea of that Gordon Hayward billboard in Miami. So, Oh God. <laughs> why would, why would you do that? Why y'all need to stop with that? Uh, I, I look forward to the billboard, but uh, in the meantime, uh, Read up on the site, all of the off-season stuff. We continue to write about the Sixers, even though they're not playing. Uh, check out Liberty Ballers. Check out all of the podcasts on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Dave, always pleasure talking to you, and I will talk to you soon next time, Mark. to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier imagine this high quality leads fast closing deals wildly happy customers and more benchmark breaking quarters it's not a miracle it's hubspot visit hubspot.com to get started today